listening to the Rent Roll Radio Show with Sterling Chapman. All right, guys, welcome back to the show. Today we have David Childers with Residential Investment Advisors. Dave, welcome to the show. Thanks. Thanks for having me. Awesome. So normally we kick our show off by asking our guests, you know, why should we listen to you? Well, I mean, I'll tell you, I've been doing this since I was 25 years old. I'm 40 now. Just turned 40 this year, so big year. I've really, uh, you're talking about your corporate America job. I've never worked luckily in a, a job. I hear everybody complain about corporate America. I've never worked in corporate America. I've pretty much been doing this my entire career. Moved to Nashville to get in the music business and uh, started doing real estate just a couple of two years after living here. And, you know, I think my, maybe my claim to fame and why you should listen to me is uh, I started doing this before the crash and I survived the crash and I proudly wear the badge. I paid every bill during the crash and can uh, live through it and talk about it. So I think that's probably my biggest claim that I'm very, very proud of. And I think people should listen to me for that reason. So I've been doing multifamily investing since then. So that's a little bit of why I think you should listen to me. So what does your portfolio look like today? Yeah. So my portfolio is about 300 doors. What I've done is just partnered with a lot of guys. So I haven't really done a lot of large citations. So I, I kind of always make that distinction because you hear people say, oh, I own 2,000 doors or this or that. You know, I, I've got about $30 million portfolio that I own about 75% of it. So some of it I've done on my own. I have taken partners uh, like, you know, the biggest, I guess, syndication, if you want to say, is, is 10 on an 86 unit down in Pensacola, Florida. A lot of the stuff I've done is 50-50 partnerships with guys. I still own a few little things on my own. That means a lot more than the guys who say they have, you know, 2,000 doors and own a half a percent of it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And so I, I, I want everybody to be honest, you know, because I used to go, man, I, I've been doing this 15 hours. And then I started realizing, <laughs> I, 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 I meet guys that own 100% of seven or 800 doors, right? We got a few guys in my mastermind group that, you know, they it's really which way do you want to take your business and how do you want to do it? I like the way I've done it. There's not a right way or a wrong way. So really just finding out what works for you and the opportunities. I mean, if you find the the rich uncle, as I always say, that wants to put down the money and you do everything else and partner them with that way, man, absolutely. You know, because it's just hard if you got 50 doors to try to syndicate it or 100, you know, 80 doors, you know, you start chopping that property up into pieces and it just, you're splitting pennies at that point. Uh, sure. It just doesn't make sense. So yeah, that's my portfolio. And then I, I kind of got two flip sides to me is I, I built this portfolio as my side gig, my side hustle. My main job has been brokering multifamily. So I used to say like my day job is selling multifamily, brokering multifamily. And my side hustle has been growing this portfolio uh, well, over the last 15 years. So it, lo- it looks like your day job and your side hustle are much more closely aligned than mine. <laughs> Yeah, they, they are, but they aren't. Let me tell you why. Because my, my my day job has been multifamily, but it's it's been, I, I kind of found a niche here in Nashville and I, I'm, I've had this conversation. There's really not anybody else, even around the country, I've found doing what I do, but it's selling two to 50 units. And so I've sold about 450 of those type of properties. So a lot of duplexes, a lot of 10 unit. And so when Joe Fairless interviewed me, he said, well, are you not competing against your clients? And I said, no, because I'm looking for 50 plus units to buy and and add to my portfolio. And so, you know, the stuff we're selling is a lot smaller. So I'm not taking the cream off the top and, and, and doing that and then, you know, selling everybody else's table scraps. And so this year, 2020 is kind of the year I'm actually stepping away from my brokerage firm after 10 years and I've got agents taking over that. 
I'm really going to put time and effort into growing my portfolio. We're doing some refinance and selling some things. So could you explain to me exactly what goes into building a brokerage firm? So is it is it the same process as building a typical residential real estate agency? Do you go and get your real estate license and wait three years with hanging your hat on somebody else's brokerage and then you can start your own? Is that is that the yeah, deal? so I got my I got my license back in like 03 or 04 and, and worked, you know, just residential real estate and quickly realized that I did not want to sell single families to first time home buyers. <laughs> I'm a numbers guy, you know, if the math works, you buy it, not because it's pretty or beautiful or too much emotion. Money. Too much emotion, right? And so my way into the brokerage firm, I was more of an investor and then went back into the firm where I see a lot of brokers get into the multi sure, I went the opposite way. I had a, a great broker here in Nashville that sold, he owns his own firm selling large multifamily all over the Southeast. And he said, Dave, you need to start your own firm that I can refer the smaller stuff to you. So he said, I've got billionaires on my email list. I can't sell a 10 unit apartment building. I can't mail it. So I, I'd really like you to start your own firm that I can refer stuff to. And so that's really, I had nothing else going on at the time. This is 06, 07 or 08. And I said, man, I'm just going to try it. And then I finally went full blown in 2010. I needed a day job because this apartment building I owned, I owned 114 units at that time, wasn't cash flowing anything. We can get in that story, but I needed a day job. And so it was like, well, these two things align. And you know, I didn't know if it was going to work, but it did. There was tons of foreclosures, multifamily foreclosures. And so I, I just got on the, you know, started selling them, man. I mean, there were $50,000, $60,000 duplexes, right? At that time, everywhere. So Oh, good deal. So when you say multifamily foreclosures, you're talking about typically the smaller properties, the twos and fours? I mean, we saw twos. I mean, dude, there was, you know, there was a lot of them. Twos, fives, tens, distressed sellers. And I just remember people calling me with a 25 unit and I said, good luck. You you know, you paid way too much for it five years ago. You know, you're not going to sell it. Actually, one of my biggest wins was a distressed seller on a 14 unit that I tried to sell to us a few clients and they backed out and I ended up purchasing it. But that was a distressed seller. You know, we had to end up having to do a short sale on it. So what was it that got these, these multifamily owners in trouble during 2008? I mean, did the occupancy rates drop? I I, I was always kind of under the impression that they, multifamily you know, renters were, were, were kind of sheltered from that. Yeah, a lot of the non-sophisticated ones. So let's distinguish that, right? These are these are people in California or, or somewhere else, not just California, but everywhere. And, and some of them were using credit lines to buy real estate, right? And so I would say they were robbing Peter to pay Paul. So they were taking the rents that they were getting from these duplexes here in Nashville and not paying their notes. And some of them just said, look, you know, I owe $100,000 on that duplex and it's worth 50. Screw it. I'm just going to let it go back to the bank. And I just never had that mentality. I, I, I signed on a loan to pay for it. And I'm going to, if they would have just been patient three or four years, I had duplexes sure. like that. I had duplexes that my partners and I paid $110,000 for. It was worth 50 in the, in the down economy. And I sold it three years ago for 175, right? And so a lot of them just threw their hands up and said, I'm done with this. And again, non-sophisticated, just not patient. So it wasn't the property and the asset. It was the buyer or the seller, the, the property operator. Yeah, the op- it was operator error, right? Sure. You know, bad management companies not knowing how to manage from California. I mean, or 2,000 miles away. That's, you know, what, what did I ask you before? I asked you, where were your properties? Are, sure. are they in your backyard? And I think that is if you're going to buy small stuff, 
because it's harder to find good management for smaller stuff. And so I think having in your back door, you know, in a neighborhood that you can drive by, I've, I've recently been putting up some videos on my Facebook page that I produced. And it's that I had a company, a family out over 4th of July weekend. They slipped the keys under my door. Well, that duplex that I still own is a mile from my office. So we got in the car, drove over there to find the unit. Now, if I lived 4,000 miles away, that would be impossible, right? So sure. I think if you're going to buy small stuff, and build a portfolio like you are, I think the best way to do it is in your backyard. And would you recommend uh, third-party property management? Um, you know, for somebody like you, it, it depends. I mean, I think I think you can do it on your own. And you, I've have clients I've sold duplexes to that own a hundred doors and are able to do it because they've got systems in place and they don't lose sleep over little things. And then there's other clients I know that they, it would be impossible for them to do it. They're too uptight. They're just not business savvy enough. And so I say, yes, do it then. Cause it, you know, for what you pay, right. I, this is, this is my story. I was going to start a management company. So we we're going to sell multifamily and start managing it. And I was over at this duplex on 4th of July, probably in 2009, watching these guys dig up a water line on 4th of July. And I said, I'm going to make $80 to sit here and lose <laughs> my 4th of July. No, thank you. You know, this is, I would pay somebody twice what I'm making to stand over here and watch these guys dig this water line because this duplex had no water in it. So I think if you can find the right management company, um, absolutely, they're, they're worth their weight in gold. If you find the wrong one, it can, you, you can screw yourself. So yeah, you know, uh, it, it just depends on the situation. I gotcha. I gotcha. So let's back up a little bit. How did you get started? What did you do before and, and how did the, the real estate bug and spark your interest? Yeah, I've always had a, a real estate bug because I had a, a one of my best friend's mother was a real estate agent and I saw how much she made or I knew kind of how much she made and I saw how much free time she had to help us out taking us to basketball games and picking us up from school. And so I kind of always had that. And then through high school, I always worked for entrepreneurs. I worked in warehouses for, for the owners of businesses. And just, I saw the freedom that they had. I had a dad who was very tied to a corporate job that, you know, had to meet these quotas. And, and I just said, I want to, I want to do something that I enjoy first of all. And so the real estate bug. So I went to, I, I dropped out of college. I was a finance major and moved to Nashville. Like I had some friends that got signed to a record a deal and they said, Hey, you want to go out as our road manager? So I moved to Nashville, dropped out of college, you know, finance degree and quickly realized I wouldn't want to live in a van or a bus. Um, <laughs> Uh, after a couple of years, my wife and I said, nah, this isn't what I want to do. And and during that time, during being on the road, I met one, and that's why I tell people, all it takes is one good investor, right? Can change your life. And I met this guy who said, hey, you know, if you want to flip houses, this is during the heyday of flipping and TV mm. shows. You know, said, hey, if you want to use hard money to flip some houses, give me a call. And so I, I kept a friendship with him. And now 16 years, 15 years later, actually 16 years almost, we've we've been friends and we're still business partners. We still own, you know, 125 doors together. We did a ton of flips together. He would he would lend me the money, you know, I would do everything else. And so we just have a really good, you know, we're almost like family now after this many years because, you know, he and I weathered the storm together. But, you know, if you start talking to people and telling them what you're doing, one good investor can literally change your life as it is, as it did for me. But uh, yeah, you know, the flipping. So we did flips for a while. You know, I was on this TV show on TLC with this house, had one episode. So I found a duplex, a foreclosure or a short sale or something that called this, this partner of mine and said, hey, do you want to buy this? from me, I was going to just wholesale it to him. He said, well, instead of me doing that, why don't we just buy it together? You manage it. 
I'll put the 20% down. We'll go on the loan together, the deed, and we'll be partners. And that's kind of where it all started. So I was 26, 25 at the time and didn't really have a clue. I was like, yeah, I'll do that. You know, I got some equity and, you know, start building my net worth from it. And you know, one duplex turned into six. And then we bought this 114 unit complex probably a year and a half later. So how did you scale from the duplex to the 114 unit complex? Because that's quite a jump. I feel like you skipped over some stuff yeah. there. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, and it's funny because I tell people all the time that managing that 114 was honestly easier than managing the six or eight duplexes that were scattered. I hear that all the time. Um, but we were going to do a condo conversion. So we bought this complex a couple blocks from this university and we were going to turn them into college condos, you know, condos for parents to buy students. And, you know, price point, we were purchasing at you know, mid thirties and going to sell mid eighties. So do the math. You know, I thought, Hey, I'm going to make a million dollars, a couple million dollars just this year alone. You know, I was already picking out my Mercedes and that's when everything literally crashed that summer. And there was no financing for condos, anything, all of it completely dried up. And I had kicked out about half of the tenants from this apartment building to renovate units and start selling them. So, yeah, so I kind of had to go backwards. I was telling the guy earlier, you know. All right, come back, come back. Yeah, yeah. I was, that, I, was, I was trying to get people to leave so I could renovate units. And now, you know, two, two weeks later, I'm knocking on their door and saying, hey, let's extend your lease, you know. And so, you know, I just had to learn. I learned this business literally from just doing everything. I mean, I've managed, I've been the leasing agent, I've been the landscaper. I know how at that property, I know how to unplug every toilet, you know, run the jet through the lines. And, you know, I was telling somebody, you know, at that time I was just selling residential real estate. So I'd be down there cleaning carpets and then have to go show houses I had a zero turn mower I bought to try to save some money and I started mowing all the grass down there. I knew how I know how to operate the pool still to this day better than anybody. I know what things to turn and which ones don't work, which skimmer basket. So that property was a huge pain in my butt for that time, but now 10, 15 years later, it's it's been, you know, it's my legacy property if you say that. So it's taught me everything. So it's nice. a it's a, you know, they say don't get emotional, but I could about that property because <laughs> it, it's done so much for me. It's taught me things. It's made me a ton of money now. So yeah, that's that's where I kind of gained a little. So that's that's kind of the I skipped from duplexes to this large one. So gotcha, cool deal. So it, the next part of our program, we talk about the highlights and the lowlights. So what was your like best home run, knock knock it out of the park deal? And then what was something that maybe went kind of awry? Well, I mean, just I think people look at and want to do these huge deals. And I'm like, man, sometimes some of these tiny, what you might call tiny, you know, deals are, are that can be home runs. I mean, I look at that. I've got this 14 unit complex that, again, I tried to sell it to a few clients or people and they said, nah, it's too much work. And I kept saying, man, the dirt alone that's sitting on it's just 14 units is worth it. And I end up picking that property up for $235,000, 14 units, downtown Nashville. You see the capital end up putting about 200 grand back into it. Filthy. Had 1,200 gallons of sewage underneath it. My cost in it's four, four fifty, somewhere in there. And today we're shopping that property to sell for $2 million, right? Nice. Owned it for five or six years, right? So, you know, it doesn't have to be, you know, again, I own 100% of that. Sure. And so, you know, that it doesn't have to be 2000 door portfolio that you go out and try to buy, you know, it could just be right. something like that. I bought duplexes with hard money and I knew they would appraise for 25, 30% more. And I got no cash into it. They cash flow a thousand dollars a month. 
I mean, those are great. I mean, uh, I had that's, how, that's how I got my first duplexes. Yeah. Borrowed, borrowed money, fixed it up, cash out, refinance, not a penny out of my pocket, pulling in two grand a month. Yeah. And so, I mean, just, you know, hitting singles like that, you know, they add up and they teach you the business, right? Now you're going, mm-hmm. well, maybe I can do it on 10 units. Maybe I can do it on 20, now 50. And and so, you know, I've got a client that he started buying duplexes like that from me. And we ran this game for a long time doing duplexes and he bought a 50 unit. Now he's, you know, he's on this third portfolio that's 1100 units. And so you gain the confidence and the knowledge of the business and you keep scaling up. So, you know, maybe instead of trying to hit these grand slams, people need to kind of look at those singles, doubles, you know, so. So you got a, you got a disaster story for us? Oh, let me think. Well, a lot of disaster stories, obviously, <laughs> in business. It's not all, you Some know. Sunshine and rainbows. Yeah, I mean. I, I, you know, it could be tenant disasters. It could be property. I mean, everything time, I say time is the greatest healer in real estate, right? So like if you buy something today and it will work out eventually, it might take, I mean, my story, if you would have called me eight years ago about that 114 unit, I would have said, this is a disaster, you know, and now, you know, we're getting ready to do a huge cash out refinance on it. So I have property as I bought that I thought were great deals because they were cheap per door. That's probably the biggest lesson I've learned, right? right. Uh, I bought a property that was, you know, seventeen, eighteen $18,000 a door thinking I was going to make this class D into a, a C plus and it just isn't happening. So um, what is your take on the area? What, what, what type of, what class properties are you buying? I like workforce housing. I just think it's going to be recession proof. It is recession proof. You know, I, I maybe on the higher end of the workforce, you know, maybe the C plus B minus, but you know, I just, I think that's just a tried and true, you know, property that you're not going to get hurt in a down economy. I just went to one of my big properties and and there's people who have lived there. I've seen their kids be born and get out of high school. Right. And so that's the kind of stuff I want. Right. I want stuff where people are there for a while, you know, the turnover is low and you get those in certain neighborhoods and certain types of properties like that. So the, just the, you know, you're not going to be there a year and move out. So, you know, uh, again, workforce housing is what I'm looking for. Now, now you're, all your properties are in Nashville. Well, I actually have one. I, I ventured out three years ago and we bought in Pensacola, Florida. You know, I, I'm not, I'm not stuck on Nashville by any means. I look at my, my criteria again, back to being is, is the day's drive from Nashville. I don't really, or a Southwest flight. I always tell people, I'm like, you know, somebody pitched me a deal. They want me to, you know, help them guarantee the debt or something. I said, well, the Southwest fly there. And he's like, what does that matter? I said, cause I don't want to get on a plane, then get on a train and then rent a car. I want to be in and out if I have to, you know? So, you know, I love the Southeast. I love, you know, a day's drive from Nashville, just so if I need to be somewhere, you know, tomorrow or in a few hours, I can be there. Nashville is uh, blowing up. I was there four times last year and and everybody said it's the fastest growing city in the United States right now. So I'm yeah, sure and it, properties are shooting through the roof. Oh man, it's ridiculous. I mean, the rents, the rents are probably stabilized a little bit, but you know, for the last three, four years, I mean, we've probably seen a 50% increase in rents. Um, yeah. One of my, I see housing. So yeah, one of my employees that was based out of Nashville, he said he'd moved there for the job two years before, and his house had already doubled in value. Yeah, yeah. So then you got to say, you know, hey, should I be selling some of this multifamily and moving my money? In you know, and so I've got a you know probably five or six plays I'm doing this year. You know, this duplex I've got you know 
150 grand in equity that's not making me any money. I'm probably sell that 1031, you know, keep keep moving it around. And and so yeah, anywhere between Pensacola, the Carolinas, Nashville, you know, parts of Kentucky, I'm still gonna try to buy stuff around there. Awesome. So what advice do you have for our listeners that are maybe just getting started or thinking about making that transition into real estate investing? And then the second part of that question is what about the ones who have kind of already started, but they're only waist deep and they're looking to take it to the next level? You know, I think there's kind of two options and that's kind of what we provide people here in Nashville is if you want to buy smaller multifamily, great. Find somebody that, you know, like our company of residential investment advisors that can, um, you know, really answer a lot of those questions. I mean, I've made it kind of my life's mission to help people get started and and kind of use my experience for their advantage, right? And really teach them about it. So if we're selling you a duplex, I'm a resource for you. I can help you find management, you know, answer those questions. But if if maybe you're, you know, got that corporate job where you just don't have that kind of time, finding experienced operators that have the experience like myself and partner up with us. Cause you know, when you partner with me, I'm an open book, man, I'll take you to the property. You know, there's no hidden, you know, smoke and mirrors, right? Come look, right. come with me. You know, any of my, my investors in, in Florida, they're more than welcome to go anytime they want and I'll walk them to the property and teach them. So I think that's one of the, the big things for newbies is, is, you know, get in. And then I'm stressing right now because I think it's, and I've had a few conversations about this, learn what actually happens at properties. Because I see a lot of underwriting on, on larger deals that I don't think is actually obtainable when the, the rubber meets the road of, of the actual operation. So I've been stressing that. Learn how a manager leases and, and, and leasing agents and just how to deal with that and, and get on site. You know, I've done a few asset management classes here in Nashville is what I'm calling them, but where we take people to my apartment building, we walk them through the maintenance shop, you know, show them what we're thinking about the grounds and, you know, amenities and model units and just all that. They get to talk to the manager, they get to talk to the maintenance guy. So really on the operational side. Now, are you finding that the duplexes and fourplex smaller multifamilies in Nashville are still cash flowing or has the appreciation made the the value of the asset so expensive that the rent won't cash flow? Yeah, I mean, so when I got into this, what what I think of a deal and what somebody else might think is a deal are two completely uh, different things. Or Really, when I start brokering, there was some deals I was like, man, that's not a deal. And I had a few doctors go, man, that's what I want, right? I want a nice property that I can put, you know, 25, 30% down and it's just going to pay for itself. There's no cash flow. We're fine with that, right? More on the the cash, like protecting their cash versus cash flow. And so I kind of had to be careful what I'd say because I'd be trying to broker a multifamily go, oh, this doesn't make sense. And I'd have people. So I just, I sometimes keep my mouth shut because good asset, you know, might be for them, might not be for me. Yeah, but most duplexes in the Nashville metro area, you know, they're going to be a more on that model of buy it and it pays for itself. And we're fine with that. We're going to bank more on appreciation. I'm not an appreciation buyer. I want cash flow, right? I want a cash on cash return. And, and that's what I think. Um, that's just how I've, I've lived my, you know, my investing career is on cash flow. So what's next for you? So 2020, I, I, that's why I'm, like I told you, I'm like at home. Uh, I'm, I'm trying to work from home now and, you know, work on a broker relationship. So for me, just like anybody, I'm out there trying to convince brokers to send me deals. 
you know, just kind of get in the mix more because this has been my side hustle. So calling a lot and saying, hey, my side hustle, now my full-time hustle on operating and buying and want to sell this and move this and kind of inform them of what's going on. And, you know, I'll probably get in and do the, the Dave car tour, go go visit, you know, brokers I've been to for years, got hop in the car, do face-to-face meetings with them, go look at more properties, just be more available to them. So, yeah, that's what's happening with me and, uh, you know, going to... When I do the cash out refinance, I'm gonna have quite a bit of capital, so I'm looking for deals. I'm a buyer. I'd love to, you know, I, you know, I've got people that call me constantly, want me to, you know, maybe partner with them if they need liquidity or Fannie and Freddie or HUD financing. I've got all that experience, so love to partner up with people. So if they're interested, awesome. Well, I know there are a lot of people that are. So the next next part of our show is we have the uh, radio round where we just ask you three quick questions to help our audience get to know you a little bit better. First one is what's your favorite book? Oh man, my best. I mean, you said rich dad, poor dad, my father-in-law, who's actually here at my house today. He gave me that book when I was a finance major. Right. And it was like, Whoa, you know, this is like, you know, <laughs> probably, <laughs> why, you probably why you dropped out of school. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And, and I've really lived that book out, man. I mean, my, my business partner that I, was, I talk about, he's a high school educated, built a company that was, you know, had 150 employees. And my father just, you know, he, he's actually a college professor and teaches business. And so I've really, that book, man, I, I want to meet Kiyosaki just to give him a hug and be like, man, yeah. that book changed my life. But besides that, like millionaire next door, I think that's kind of how I, I'm a, I'm a blue collar type guy, man. I don't mind going in and getting dirty and, uh, you know, I don't do it much more these days, but I love that kind of mindset, a millionaire next door mindset. You know, I'm a t-shirt and jeans as fancy yeah. as I get these collared shirts, <laughs> but most of the time I'm running around in t-shirt and jeans. And, uh, so yeah, I, a millionaire next door was a great book for me too, to say, we all have this mind of like how millionaires look, but that's right. really, how it is, so. Absolutely. So next one, what's your favorite quote? Treat others, the golden rule, you know, treat others as how you want to be treated. I mean, I, I really think that, and that that's investors, that's tenants. We, I've had that conversation today. Like, you know, we want to take really good care of our tenants and because they take really good care of us, right? So we treat them with respect and we want it back. So I, that's probably the, my favorite quote that I use quite a bit. Awesome. And what's your favorite thing to do outside of work? Oh man, we, uh, I race four wheelers most weekends. So nice. we race a series called the GNCC series that races from New York all the way down to Florida. So if it's, I'm not racing, my son and I are up at our farm riding four wheelers. And so we spend a lot of time on four wheelers talking about four wheelers, going four wheeler races. <laughs> so, uh, that's, that's, that's my hobby. So sounds like a blast. Yeah, it is. So I really enjoyed our interview today, and I know that that there's a ton of information there that that you know our listeners are going to be super excited to hear. Where can they find you? I'm sure a ton of them want to reach out. Find me on Facebook, Dave Childers. I put a lot of stuff up there. I've got a you know a picture of me, my ugly mug. So find me there. LinkedIn. I'm on LinkedIn quite a bit. Dave Childers or David Childers. I've got two different. You can go Cedar Rock Cap. Com is a kind of more in the investing my my portfolio my uh, advisors on there or ria incom is residential investments website and you'll see my agents on there so I always do this so I always give out my cell phone feel free to reach out to me directly it's six one five area code four seven nine eighty seven thirty seven again six one five four seven nine eighty seven thirty seven feel free to call me reach you know text me you know be patient if I don't call you right back. Leave me a message. There's so much spam calling these days. That oh, I yeah. Really don't even... 
Uh, I've gotten four calls today from Danielle with Investor Services. Yeah, my number is obviously like on all these like, uh, yeah, so I don't even answer my phone. So my, my dad always <laughs> mad because he's like, you never answer my call. I'm like, dude, you've got a blocked number. I don't even answer numbers that show up. <laughs> um, so you got to leave me a voicemail, you know, and I'll, I'll get back to you. But yeah, I'd love to network with people. Mostly if you're in the Nashville area or Middle Tennessee, it would be great to contact, you know, get, get involved with us. But uh, yeah, it'd be, uh, do that. Awesome. Well, I'll definitely look you up the next time I'm in town and we'll hope to get you back on the show soon. Yeah, absolutely. Well, thanks for having me again. I appreciate it. All right. Thanks, Dan. Thanks for tuning in to the Rent Roll Radio Show brought to you by Crestworth Capital. We hope you enjoyed the show. And if you did, please hit the subscribe button and leave us a rating and review. You can also visit us at CrestworthCapital.com or RentRollRadio.com or follow us on Facebook at RentRollRadio or at Crestworth Capital. If you would like to reach us, feel free to shoot us an email at info at rentrollradio.com or sterling at crestworthcapital.com. We hope you come back next week to join us on some more of our journey. Until then, happy investing.